Hey, welcome to tonight's show. Tonight, kicking off our week of shows here on DJ and TV, we're going to be talking bar mitzvahs and how to take your bar mitzvahs part of your company and take it to the next level. I've got Howard Wallach, who's going to be coming in in just a couple of minutes and joining us and sharing a lot of great information. We'll be right back. DJ Event Planner will change the way you manage and run your business. Streamline all of your procedures and software into one easy-to-manage system. DJ Event Planner, the ultimate online planning tool. We are back. We are back for a show tonight, Howard. This is I'm kind of excited. We're gonna take take people who are are getting into that bar mitzvah world or just starting in it, and you're gonna be able to take them to a new level. This is gonna be some uh, kind of some fun stuff tonight. Happy to be here. Happy to help out. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me tonight. So uh, Howard, based out of Chicago, he's going to be talking bar mitzvahs. He's been in the bar mitzvah field for a long time. We're going to dive right into our topic tonight. And one of the areas, Howard, that people struggle with when I'm talking, I've talked to them around the country and they've been talking bar mitzvahs, is is the whole idea of staffing. As a multi-system, I've had struggles with staffing and I'm not even doing bar mitzvahs and such. And I see the things that you guys do. There's a lot involved with that. So let's start about how do you start staffing for a bar mitzvah team? Sure. Well, you break it down into MCs, DJs, and dancers. And it often comes up, how do you find these entertainers, these dancers that are interacting with the crowd, motivating, corralling children, you know, maximizing engagement. And believe it or not, it's not always from the dance community. The instinct is, do I go to a dance studio? Do I find a dance troupe, a dance team? In actuality, I have found that the personalities that are best suited for this kind of work, they might be camp counselors, they might be Zumba instructors. The truth is, John, I have actually found remarkable talent just being out in the world. If I encounter a cashier, <laughs> if I see a teller, Someone with an outstanding go get them attitude, I might whisper, Hey, do you like hip hop music? Are you, uh, what is your tolerance for children? <laughs> and they go, Why, What are you offering? And I say, Well, I've got a, a neat opportunity to perform and get paid doing special events. And their ears perk up and we get the ball rolling. You know, we, we meet these kind of personalities. It's easier to teach some of the choreography than it is to teach 
attitude and personality. So when you're, so, when you're talking staffing, of course, you mentioned DJs, MC, and dancers are the three categories you just gave us. Which one of those three is the most difficult role to fill as you've been hiring over the years? Well, what happens is, is the MCs are like the quarterback of the team. Okay. So they usually start out as a DJ or a dancer, and they get that perspective from the field. The MC, in addition to running the party, ultimately has the responsibility of having that pre-event consultation and communication with the client. So when we get to the event, the dancers and the DJ are part of a pre-event huddle where the MC can give full disclosure about the expectations, the nuances, and the particular goals of that family and the context of that party. Hmm. So I yeah, hope that answers. The yeah, there's much more. So, so then, really, then, kind of the, and I don't want to call them entry level positions, would be your dancers and your DJs. That's right. Which one of those two roles then is more difficult? Because I've hired DJs in the past, and I've struggled with that. But I, I think about the idea of hiring dancers. Which one of those would be more well, difficult? I'll give you an example. The the DJs that come in, young DJs, often have what I'll call their recipe for success. Mm, yes. And as long as they are coachable and they're willing to do what it takes to hit those cues and watch for the most impact on the dance floor, usually the MC can call out, we're doing the sing-along set or we're going to do this follow me set, you know, whatever we're going to do a current set, a hip hop set. Mm -hmm. The DJ can have some creative freedom within, uh, these minutes of programming. So it's, it's probably easier uh, to hire a DJ. And after about a dozen events, those DJs will consider themselves comfortable and savvy enough to program their own uh, mitzvah. The dancers are in the first two, three events, they almost feel like they're guests because sure. so much of their time is spent reacting. Okay. Right. They are trained to listen. We say that you need three ears and three eyes to be an interactive entertainer. You've got to be listening to the music. You've got to be listening to the MC's cues, all these subtle things that happen on the microphone. When the MC says, we're looking for the best so-and-so, this yeah. kind of contest, it means, oh, he wants me to pass out a prize, right? If the MC says, we're looking for the best couple jitterbug or moonwalk, whatever it is, he's saying to the dancer, stop leading them, <laughs> walk around and connect personally with the audience. Other times, you know, it's very Zumba-like, right? Mm -hmm. We're doing a lot of follow me stuff. A lot of shtick happens at these parties. Sure. The excellent entertainers know that there's a good balance in the programming, the way we use music, the way we work with the kitchen, the way we set up the photographers, all this synergy happens over time. So like I said, initially the dancers, when they first start working, they're worried about where should I stand? What am I doing with my hands? Like we even have this whole thing about don't stand with your arms like this, stand like this. Oh, sure, this yeah. is attitude and this is hospitality. Mm -hmm. So we have all these kinds of things, right? We have a, a funny one where we say to the dancers, never talk like this when you're whispering to someone because it looks like you're talking smack about, look right. how fat that person is. Right, yeah. Look how 
Look how ugly. So we, we don't want anybody talking like this at a party. You know, we have to be very discreet because we're in front of house. We're on stage. We're literally on from the time we're there to the time we end. Yeah, that, that's a, some good points. And those little, little, little keys and little tips like that, it's amazing how some people, it just doesn't come natural to them. And they do some of these things. I had a, I had one DJ when she, her big big thing was she would just stare. She'd put a song on and she would just stare on the dance floor. Back and forth. It's <laughs> like, you look like you're trying to like uh, case the place to go and rob it or something. What's going on? So I, I feel strongly, even with the DJ at a bar mitzvah, there's that transfer of energy, right? From us to them and from the audience back to us. So when the DJ is getting into it and bopping to the beat, it's wonderful. And we know that the camera is often on us. So whether it's a still photographer or a videographer, we want to be stage friendly, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to say that one of the unusual characteristics of a high-end mitzvah is sometimes the DJ booth, the tech station, is actually not dead center. Sometimes the decor or the theme becomes the backdrop and the DJ is off to the side as like I said, a tech station. Sure. Maybe the DJ is running the DMX lighting or hitting the video cues in addition to programming the music, but less of a focal point. And this enormous event design takes over the world of theme parties for mitzvahs. Mm -hmm. so, so you and I are both over 40, and we'll just leave it at that. Age, age becomes something, and, I, and I'm finding this now as I'm getting older, even with my weddings and such, is that I'm starting to feel that it's not, I, I don't, I don't want to say you don't connect, but it's just, you know, we're older than, we're the older than the parents in some cases. How does that work into uh, when you're staffing and such with, with uh, bar mitzvahs? I'll tell you something funny. I have been doing this a long time, and happily, I am still requested People say, oh, I want to make sure Top Dog is at my party. Can you put that Top Dog, my kids? So I'm like, I'm Top Dog. <laughs> I'm the one they're talking about. You? Yeah. They saw me at a park district or a father-daughter or a camp, and they want Top Dog. So my even my family says, when will you throw in the towel? Right. When will you stop? Uh, the the two-part answer to that is when they stop asking for me <laughs> and when I stop enjoying it. Uh, I still am challenged. I still really enjoy, to me, these bar mitzvahs, more than weddings, more than corporate, they're very cerebral. John, when I tell you that at a bar mitzvah, as a DJ, as an MC, I feel like I am privy to not hundreds, but thousands of minute-to-minute, if-then choices navigating through the minutiae of a bar mitzvah, trying to please the host, trying to please the 13-year-old, trying to please all the friends, trying to please the extended family, the vendors, the kitchen, all of these things, trying to be two, three steps ahead, keeps me on my toes. I've never in all these years felt like a mitzvah dragged. Mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> Rather the opposite. They, they go by fleetingly. When I'm in a pre-event consultation with these families, I let them know all this time and money and energy getting excited about these parties, they're over like that. You know, it's a very fast experience. And I think 
confidently that that is why I'm still doing it, why I still enjoy it. It's very, it's a thinking man's game. I, I liken, the analogy I make is being a bar mitzvah MC is like the PhD of, of DJ. Okay. I don't want to take away from the people that do reunions or fashion shows or anything corporate, but there's a lot of moving parts that have to be just right for the mixed demographics and expectations that are bar and bat mitzvahs. So, so when you look at the bar, the market and such for the bar, bat, yeah, bar and bat mitzvahs, isn't a, it isn't like the corporate world. I mean, this is a one-time thing. You're not because of it being, you know, that celebration for that family. They may only have one of these in their family. Um, how do how does that work as far as the keeping that schedule full? I mean, is a word of mouth that strong that it can drive that? How does that work? Well, let me let me tell you that first of all, not every family celebrating a bar bat mitzvah is going to come at their celebration at the level that I'm offering. Okay. You know, there's an entire orthodox and conservative contingent that would never do this kind of thing. And also there are families with a smaller budget that want to keep their celebration modest. Um, there are DJs that will Camille and offer different solutions. There are DJs that have minimums that say on a Saturday night, this is the level at which we go out. But to answer your question, the bar mitzvah season is very academic. So it starts about the end of August, goes all the way through Father's Day. Okay. And we're dead during all the breaks. So winter break, when the schools are out on Christmas vacation, spring break, those are when we're not busy. But for many of us who do bar mitzvahs, we use the summer for heavy branding and promoting, okay. experiential marketing. So it's not uncommon for groups like myself who are focused on the bar mitzvahs to be where the children are, whether it's the park districts, the pools, the country clubs, or the camps. We want to be out there. So the pursuit of doing bar mitzvahs is year-round. But the market itself happens uh, during the academic year. And to your viewers that know this, once you get in with a family, you might be doing the second and third child, you might be doing those cousins, and a whole lot of their neighbors. It's very organic, which again, is different than weddings. Chances are if the bride has four or five bridesmaids, you're probably not doing all six of those weddings, right? Mm -hmm. They all have different groups helping them out. Uh, that's not true in the bar mitzvah world. We might get into a circuit where, at least where I'm from here in Chicagoland, which does have a dense Jewish population, I could easily see in the space of a month, I might see the same children four, five, six times. Wow. You know, it's not uncommon that the children will invite nearly everybody in the seventh grade. For us, a bar mitzvah has between 175 and 300 attendees, of which maybe 90 of them are children. The kids from Little League, the kids from Recital, the kids from Karate. <laughs> you know, they invite everybody they know, Hebrew school. So how are you making an impression on these? I mean, you've got these kids in front of you, or you're meeting these kids in the summertime. How are you making an impression on them? So they're basically coming and saying, hey, I want you know, top dog to be 
to be my my DJ? Yeah, it's kids a great question. Kids don't remember. I, we, I can't get my kids to remember to do their homework at night. <laughs> do they remember? Well, there's a lot to it. Um, I think that for us, the branding is key. Whether it's on our facade, it's on our flat screens, it's on our attire. We are often uh, passing out swag. Okay. So it's not uncommon to get A to Z wristbands or water bottles or Frisbees. It's all part of, you know, getting the kids completely hyped up and into the moment, uh, creating a little bit of a frenzy. We also use social media. We'll brand, uh, we'll populate our Instagram and ask the kids to tag themselves. You know, that's all part of the experience. Hmm. Uh, We do uh, a lot of marketing. So for example, there's different ways to showcase you can attend a trade show or you can create your own trade show, which is a real popular thing that we've done where we control the exhibitors. We create the timetable and we put together this atmosphere where families can bring their children and have an experience. And that experience translates into new business every single time we do it. Hmm. The, the takeaway is, oh my God, look how fun and hip and exciting these people are. When someone leaves a successful showcase of ours, they're not necessarily worried about a specific person, a specific talent. They just like the energy. I can be compelling in the sales environment to say, trust me, I'm your guy on the inside. I'll put together a winning team. Well, we saw this one MC or we saw this one dancer. And I'll say your, your party is 30 months away from now. If you'd like, I can put that person on hold. Things happen. A cousin's wedding, uh, you know, things happen. So yeah. I, I don't want to overpromise, but it's very flattering to hear that you want X or you want Y to be at your party. And we'll, of course, we'll do our best to accommodate you. Those of us that have been doing this a long time try to sell the experience, not make it based solely on a particular personality when you're talking about experience now are you talking about a, a a like a personal thing that it's something that you know that oh the memories it will create or are you talking about that wild big the big experience that everyone's going to walk out the door with or is it the a big of- a big experience okay in other words what we do is we create almost an adrenaline paced <laughs> high octane programming it's a tapestry of music that you just would not believe. You know, things that are popular in movies, trending songs, mm-hmm. all the different things that you, kids are so bright and they're so astute because of things like Spotify, because of Pandora. They're, they're so exposed. Even the parents, that are, when they're driving these kids around in their carpools, they know their kids' music. Yeah, The average 39-year-old mommy she knows Drake. She knows Migos. These aren't, they're not shocking to her. Cardi B, of course they know her, right? It's not like there's this segregation of adult music and kid music. In fact, I would be the first person to tell you that if there's anything uh, resembling a trend, it's this idea that the bar mitzvah party is almost an after party. There's not, like in the old days, this conservative nature where there's a candle lighting ceremony or there's blessings after the meal or there's even a grace before the meal. 
The truth is, at the level at which people are hiring groups like us, they want, it's almost like a club fever. Mm-hmm. It's a fast-paced, it's a high-pitched, excellent, intense vibe. They walk in and they've been transformed. The combination of the decor, the food, the music, there's three photographers, there's bright lights from videographers, there's five, six dancers corralling the room and they're just taken in by it. I don't know the last time you went on a cruise ship, but cruises are very good at transforming you the moment you get on the ship. That's what we try to do the moment they step foot into the country club or the hotel or the restaurant where these parties are being held, right? And the takeaway is what just happened? (laughs) Sure. That was amazing. We end on a powerful high note. It's not typical. One more song, you know, being yelled one more song. Party ends. The grandma hugs me. The little cousin from out of town hugs me that this was the best party. And that was what makes this so rewarding and so rich week after week, month after month. And it feeds the next events. Bar mitzvahs are means to more of those. It's a means and end situation. Mm -hmm. So doing one excellent bar mitzvah often translates into many more excellent mitzvahs. You mentioned uh, different age groups in in that you mentioned grandma being there, of course, the younger ones. When you're performing for a, a mitzvah, are you aiming for a specific age group or are you really treating this as a, a, a full, you know, young to old? How, how do you focus your energies at a show like sure. that? I would say that 70% of the program, I'm, I'm speaking in broad strokes now. Yep, yep, yep. But 70% of the programming is neutral. The absolute bangers, right? Mm-hmm. Card, uh, uh, Bruno Mars. <laughs> yeah, that Katie is yep, yep, the White Appeal that has that generational Lady Gaga, right? And then there are targeted songs. So if we're going to make the parents happy with an 80s or 90s throwback set, or we're going to play the absolute newest rap songs for the kids, and everybody kind of understands that, oh, he's in that set right now. Okay. And the sets are fleeting. They're, you know, a set might be four to 11 minutes. It might be three to five songs, Mm -hmm. you know, a mashup of high energy and we move it right along. There's this back and forth between the crowd is dancing on their own and them following us to moving children on the stage to moving adults on and doing a sing along. Everyone is laughing. We're passing out goofy props and giveaways and junk and (laughs) things that light up. (laughs) Yep. Everyone is just taken a backbite. It's not uncommon for, you'll see a group of men, the husbands in the back, tapping their feet, watching their kids or having their phone on their kid dancing. And a dancer will say, how about all five of you come up right now? We're going to do something silly together. Mm-hmm. She finds the videographer and now she stands next to the videographer and the five guys wearing goofy Dick Tracy plastic fedoras are doing this to the video camera. Mm-hmm. And what they don't see is that the dancer egged them on. Sure. sure but sure. the video edit looks phenomenal because it looks like these guys, these are the guys from the dad's fraternity, or these are three of the guys that he works with. And 
even after the event, the smiles are just on and on and on. John, I'll get a call nine months after a party saying, you know, we just had the family over. We just watched our highlight reel. We can't thank you enough. It was such an experience. It, it sure. was an amazing night for everybody. Hmm. That's, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. I, I've, I've often wondered about the, the programming and catering and how a person handles that because you have such a diverse, a diverse aged group and, and the room and such that way. For your, for your listeners or viewers, let me give you another tip, another little treat that we do. Sure. We respect that there's a lot of money spent on the dining portion of an event. Sometimes it's a served course situation. Sometimes it's food stations or maybe it's family style. But whatever it is, the rule of thumb is that children are going to eat in 30 seconds. <laughs> they are not going to enjoy table yep. conversation. And John, you'll laugh. A lot of the young ladies won't even eat in front of the boys. Yes. They don't want to mess up their dress. Meanwhile, the guys don't even have silver licking yeah. their fingers. <laughs> yeah. But because we know the children are going to eat so quickly, our rule of thumb, our advice when we're counseling families is to feed the children second. So regardless okay. if it's salad course or entree or opening up a buffet, we'll say, feed your adults first. So by the time we have adult entree, everyone of their, has their plate. That's when we'll invite the kids to hit the buffet. We'll usually do like a process of elimination game. Mm -hmm. to gets the kid in smaller groups to the buffet. The opposite is true. If you feed the kids first, they're done eating first and you've got to keep them busy again. Yep. And it's not cool to have blaring loud music while the adults are eating. That's respectful. You want them to enjoy their conversation, just like a wedding. Mm -hmm. Some of these people haven't seen each other in a while. They're catching up and they know it's the DJ's job to be exciting and colorful and loud, but not while they're eating. So the, there's a balance of how to put all this together. So how long does it take to really become proficient in the world of, of doing bar mitzvahs and to be able to plan those out? I mean, I, there's, there's obviously being able to do the basics or what have you. I mean, wedding DJs, they can, they can function and they can survive and they've done a wedding. But to really be able to bring it, is that something that takes, is it five, ten years? How long has it taken? No, I, I don't think it takes that long. But there is there's being comfortable with it and then there's being an expert at it. Okay. And of course that takes time. The interesting thing is, and I, I want to make sure all your viewers understand this, you don't have to be Jewish to be successful at the world of bar mitzvahs. Some of the most successful performers are anything but Jewish. Mm -hmm. You know, all, all races and all ages. There are people that are in high school that are dancing, that are wise and mature for their age. And there are young DJs who are what I call crowd pleasers, or as Mike would say, difference makers, <laughs> yep. right? Yep. We, we want everybody on the team to have the utmost respect for what this is. And ironically, there's less and less religious aspects coming out at the bar mitzvah. They used to do Havdalah, which is the ending of the Sabbath. They used to do 
blessings over bread and wine. But now contemporary families, let's isolate that for a moment. Families will say, we've been cocktailing for an hour. We've been eating sushi and, <laughs> and, you know, wine and cheese and all these wonderful treats. And then we're coming into the room and we're doing a blessing before we eat. So I say to them, look, it's not obligatory. If you think doing wine and bread would be appropriate for your family and your tradition, we'll call it a photographic moment, a photo op. Sure. In the synagogue part of the bar mitzvah, that's the religious moment where the child is reading from the Torah and there's a dissertation. It's a beautiful service. If you've never been to one, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. The whole point of the party is the celebration of that service, right? Sure. During the service, they have what's called aliyahs, these opportunities for special relationships, grandparents, uncles, cousins, very close family friends to come up to the pulpit and have this shared moment. So I might say to the family, if there's someone you didn't have do an aliyah at the service, bring them up. We'll have them do the blessing over the bread and the wine. Sure. But historically speaking, in the last three years, out of 20 parties, maybe only six have blessings over bread and wine. So what is the, what is the religious component? It's the horror. A powerful MC leading these people into a successful horror is the apex of the evening. Hmm. We will get 95 to 99% participation from all the invited guests during that moment of the party. Now, there's no magic on when that happens. John, sometimes it's in the opening dance set, and oftentimes it's right after the showing of a video montage. Are you hip to what that is? Yep, yep. Yep. So there's moments like that that when you've been doing this a long time, your ability to place the hora for the most impact is all the difference. It's really interesting to me that that you don't have ninety five percent participation. You're doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah, that the amount of religious aspects to it has really diminished, and that I, you know, we're seeing this in in the wedding industry, and it's surprising too. I, I didn't expect that to be, you know. I haven't sat down and really talked to anyone about uh, mitzvahs in a couple of years. And I'm, it's interesting that that's what you're observing is that. Funny you said that. The last two weddings I did said, oh, no, we are not doing bouquet and garter. Yes. No. A lot of these, the, the standards are, you know, no, we're not doing that. Okay. Like I said earlier, there's this vibe of treating these events as after parties. Mm-hmm. That was the religious moment. This is the celebration of it. And you'll hear families say, we told our guests to come in jeans. We told them to, we want a wild out. You know, there's going to be a cigar bar. There's going to be a martini bar. You know, and they want it to be loose. And the moms will say, part of the process of planning all this is when we're asking them questions, we'll say, what portion do you want focused on the adults versus the children? Okay. It's It's a question. And sometimes they'll say, we want 90% of your programming for the kids. Don't worry about us. When our friends and family want to jump in, we'll jump in. Or they'll say, make it more 60 kids, 40 adults. Okay. The way we're, the way we're managing the evening. And that's how we roll. And not to repeat myself, but that's what makes it exciting. Every one of these is different. It's very cerebral, 
you know, the chance to roll up your sleeves and knock another one out of the park. Mm -hmm. So I want to kind of switch gears a little bit, working with young teenagers there, that can be a struggle. There's sometimes you're going to have, have drama. You're going to have, have some different things going on in the room. How do you handle potential time bombs? And I'm just going to leave it as that, that could be happening with that age group in a situation like this and basically make it so that it's a positive memory for everyone. Couple things I want to say here. <laughs> Thank goodness for Fortnite. They've brought in all these wonderful Millie Rock and all these dances that the kids are doing. Thank yeah. goodness for that. Thank goodness for television shows like Glee, The Voice, American Idol, introducing all these kids to the wide palette of cool music. Okay. And using all these kinds of genres and all these go-to songs, you know, when Frozen comes out, and, mm -hmm. you know, but you know, Hamilton and, and using all these things to our advantage are great for engagement. But you're right. Kids have moments. At the party, God forbid, a girl breaks up with a boy. <laughs> that was actually the top one I was thinking is that that or there's a girl and she likes that boy and that girl, it's, it, yeah, and there's that drama going on. Or when the parents have okayed a mosh pit oh. and, you know, these girls aren't wearing shoes and the boys are jumping at full, you know, oh, and no. they hurt a girl's ankle and she's crying and sobbing for the next oh, 20 minutes. No. One of the success keys is to have your staff be proactive. We always say interactive, but seasoned performers understand that the group has type A personalities, has wallflowers. Everyone has the, you know, if you can get the most popular kid in the room on your side, Hey, Jimmy, can you hold the limbo pole? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, Hey, David, can you help me pass out the prizes? You know, or telling the two most popular girls, come back behind the DJ booth. We're going to take a, an Instagram picture for you of you with the headphones on and behind the DJ. All of a sudden, that likability, that trust, if you can keep them on your side, it makes a big difference. One of the rules is when we see kids leaving the room, let's say to go to the restroom. Uh -huh dancers will immediately become a blockade at the door. And John, they will say, you can't go. And they said, we have to go to the washroom. We'll say, well, you can go three at a time, not all 30 of you. <laughs> and it becomes a deterrent. Mm -hmm. You don't know this because you're not active in this, but do you know that many, if not all of the hotels, at least here in Chicagoland, require chaperones or security per child at the event. Wow. So if they hear there's going to be a hundred kids, they'll say you have to pay extra for four security guards to stay through the event. That basically keeps the kids in the room and not exploring or misbehaving the grounds. Sure. Now that they're in the party and they can't leave, of course there's going to be, like you said, seventh and eighth grade drama. It always happens. Yeah. We are doing a lot of bonding. One of my interview questions when I'm bringing in one of the performances is I'll say, what is your hidden talent? What do you do that's amazing? And this one will say, well, I can beatbox. I can do celebrity impressions. 
I can do magic, you know, whatever it whatever is. It is yeah. And I'll say, great, <laughs> that's your tool. That's your in. That's how I want you to connect with the kids. I have such a diverse work staff. Some of them, even when they were in seventh grade, never attended a bar mitzvah. They've never been. So they'll say to me, well, Howard, how do I bond with a 12-year-old? Mm-hmm. What do we have in common? I say, much more than you know. Talk about movies. Talk about sports. Talk about what's trending on television. And all of a sudden, they get excited about, you know what I know. Yeah. And it's the difference maker. Because when they, we bond with them during the cocktail hour or early in the event, they'll listen to us the rest of the night. Good point. A great, a great uh, suggestion with that. Having that common, that commonality is, is huge at that age. They really you know, grasp on it. You've heard this thing about the passing out of, we call them tchotchkes or junk or party trash. These are the things that light up. They wear goofy hats and mm-hmm. sunglasses and LED grills and all these funny things, the inflatable feet. A lot of parents will say, you know, that's a lot of conspicuous consumption. It really is junk. And I'll say, I agree with you, but, (laughs) and I'll say, those are the tools. Those are the necessary keys that really have an impact, right? You can think about John, the last time you were invited to a party and someone said to you, we want you to dress in a Hawaiian shirt. Uh You act different when you're having a Hawaiian shirt. You know, you, you're looser. You're, it's silly. Yeah. When you're wearing an inflatable guitar or a big feather boa and we're playing Britney Spears, you know, all of a sudden you just clown, you act a fool. For those few minutes, it's all about the levity. I know the sunglasses and the glow necklaces are going to end up on the floor. They're not meant to be taken home. Yeah. Right? They truly are for the moment. And capturing this excitement and laughter and goofiness that is unfolding live. And a great photographer, a great videographer will capture that. Hmm. That's what that stuff is for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the kids, yeah, you mentioned it's going to be on the floor. Yep. Yep. It's minutes. And yeah, they're having fun with it. Now, there are six, seven, and eight year old cousins that will grab all that stuff and demand <laughs> that their parents take them home. Yep, exactly. <laughs> this is mine. You can't touch it. Yeah, yeah. Mommy, look how many glow necklaces I have. <laughs> yeah, and they make it end to end to end, and all of a sudden it's like seven foot in diameter. <laughs> oh, That's right. Oh, let's let's. I've got just a little bit more time here, Howard. If you could compare and contrast, go back to the the early days of when you were getting into the the uh, mitzvah world. Compared to what we have, you already talked a little bit about some of the formalities and such have changed and you're not doing quite as many. Are there any other major differences that you have seen from you know, 10 years ago to what we have today? Well, the, the biggest thing is the shortened attention span. Hmm. All of us are guilty of multi-devicing. People are looking at their phones while they drive. It's no different at a special event. To some degree, I feel sorry for the parents of brides and grooms and the parents of mitzvahs. They're spending an enormous amount of money to create this vibe, this living, breathing, fleeting moment. And people are checking scores, 
you know, playing the games and it's, they're Snapchatting from five feet away. Yeah. yeah, So some of us have embraced that. We'll tell the family, why don't you just get a Snapchat filter with Lisa's name on it? And we'll encourage all the kids to use it and we'll tag each other. And, you know, like brides do everybody let's have, let's all use the same hashtag, you know, but shorter and shorter attention spans have made us sharper with the programming. There's no filler. Every song counts. We are in and out. I can't speak for every mitzvah producer, but from my standpoint, there's almost no song that gets played from beginning to end. Not Ooh. even one. Wow. I, I, I obviously know that there's a lot of quick mixing going on, but not, not a, not a that's the biggest difference between then and now. And, you know, from coast to coast, things are different. Yeah. On the East Coast, they will have four, five, up to ten distractions. There are things happening in the room during the dance floor. Not just a photo booth, but there's foosball over here. There's arts and crafts over here. You know, there's all these stations of things to do. There's less of it on the Midwest, and then it goes right back to the West Coast, they do it all over again, and they build these rooms with lots and lots of choices. Hmm. It's a casino. And the, from our point of view, none of them are going to be successful. If you divide up the body politic enough, <laughs> then no place is throbbing and thriving and exhilarating. Sure. So I, the worst case is when they have any of these things outside the room. Oh yeah, you know, it makes sense. Sweet tables in another room. All these things are very tough on us. So whenever possible, as part of the planning process, we'll say, for the very best, keep everything inside the four walls, and and it should be dance floor centric. There have been events. There's always exceptions. We DJed from the very center of the dance floor and had our speakers in the round, and the kids were dancing around us. Mm-hmm. There's always exceptions, but in broad strokes. Hmm. and that they're bigger and bigger production. (laughs) You know, having DMX-controlled lighting has changed the game. It's not even from from eight years ago to right now. You know, we used to set up on a banquet table. Now we're bringing these toned (laughs) box trusses. Yep, yes. You know, there are four or five of us on the installation. You know, an eight o'clock party starts at one thirty in the afternoon. Mm. That's very different from moving things in your minivan or your SUV when you start talking about all of this production. Not to mention, at least in the role that I play, I feel like I'm able to offer more and more services to the families. And I'm not talking about just the, the photo booths, right? Sometimes I'll say to them, would you like me to help with your logo creation, you know, an animated logo we're going to be putting on our flat screens. Do you want a live drummer? Do you want CO2 blasts? There are all these ways. Every one of us decides what we're comfortable offering because often you're going to subcontract things that you don't have. And if you do own these things, there's maintaining, there's storing, there's educating your team. So you got to kind of pick what you want to do, what you're willing to offer. But I think I can speak confidently for those entities that have been doing this a long time, producing bar mitzvahs, 
we're offering more to the families. We want to be a solutionist, right? So here, here's your arcade games. Here are your novelties. Here's your lounge decor. Hey, one entity will handle it all. So are you subcontracting a lot of these different aspects of it, or is it something that you've added to your company? I will tell you that the biggest success I've had over the years is having strategic alliances. Nice. Okay. And not only with the vendors that I work with, but that goes with the various floral companies and decorators and photographers and caterers that serve as an engine for networking and connecting everybody. It's not uncommon for a family to start this process 20, 30 months in advance. It's typical for them to ask their neighbors and their friends, who did you use? What did you do? And then once they get into the circuit, start asking, hey, photographer, what DJ do you like working with? Right. That that happens. So having these alliances has never been more critical. Even the venues, it's no secret. It's the same as true with weddings, right? We all want the venues to refer us. So we're really good at cleaning up after ourselves, giving everybody comfort level on the team, you know, putting your empties in a safe place, <laughs> just being, being thoughtful across yeah. the board. Courteous, yeah. Hmm. Good, good information, Howard. Good stuff. We're going to need to wrap things up. Um, if people would like to reach out and such and they had some questions or for you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? I think DMing me on Facebook is good. Uh, I'm always happy to share my cell phone. I don't know if that's the way to do that right now. Yeah, let's, we'll, just, we'll just go yeah. with it. You, guys, they can find, um, you guys can search for Howard on, uh, on Facebook, and he's out there, and you can direct message him. That would work. That would be May I best. plug that I'll be out at Mobile Beat? Oh, yeah, that's right. You're going to be speaking Thursday, you mentioned. Yeah, in March in Las Vegas, there's a whole lineup of excellent presenters and expo for your viewership. If you have not indulged in your career and bettering yourself, mobile beat happens to be one of the really great choices out there where you can be with your contemporaries, with people who are sharing. There are so many excellent hallway conversations and the things that happen at these conferences are second to none. I cannot say enough how personally I have benefited. And although I am a presenter, an educator, and I'm teaching, I'm getting lots and lots of lessons while I'm there. Yep, I know. Very humbling experience to go to shows like Mobile Beat. And if you guys come, let me know you saw this show and we'll we'll send cheers to Mr. John Young. Yeah, there you are. Yep, we'll be done. Guess.com. They're one of the sponsors of our show in the uh, description below. You guys can find the link. Click on that and you can go and check out the latest latest uh, list of what's going on. It's going to be a great week down in Las Vegas. Howard, thank you much for your time and your information tonight. Some great information for those who are, are in that bar mitzvah world or wanting to get into that and increase thank their business. You. Gang, we'll be back in about 15 minutes tonight with Nick Hahn. We're going to be talking legal music. We'll be right back in a bit.